Let's look here tonight, Second Chronicles chapter 7, and uh, just going to give you some simple thoughts tonight, and uh, pray the Lord will help us tonight as we do, do what he's led us to do. The Bible says this, Second Chronicles chapter 7, and verse number 1, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt, burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Father, I pray you touch us tonight. And Lord, I know that those that are here, Lord, are tired. Their bodies are tired. Their minds are tired. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you give us some spiritual nourishment from the Word of God. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen us in the inner man, Lord. Give us what we stand in need of. I thank you, Lord, that we can come here. We can share our burdens with one another, Lord, but we can cast our burdens on you. And I pray you'd help me now as I preach, Lord, that I preach as a dying man to dying men and women. I pray, Lord, you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit and ointment with fresh oil. Lord, I pray that, God, you'd do something in this church, do something in my life. Pray, God, you'd revive us, you'd set us on fire so we make a difference. People are dying and going to hell all around us. Lord, this world's going out, it's out of control. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, to be the light that you want us to be. And Lord, I pray tonight it begin with me and my heart and my life. Lord, I love you and I thank you for allowing me this privilege, this honor. But Lord, this responsibility of standing and preaching the Word of God. And Lord, I'll just give you the glory for anything that's accomplished tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. What we're reading here tonight, and I'm going to cover several verses, but um, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we find the dedication of the temple. And, you know, this was not something that had just happened overnight. It, it was a long process in building this temple. We do know that it was one of the greatest structures ever built. Um, people come from all over the world just to look at it and see how beautiful it was. And I want to say tonight that when we do something for the Lord, we all try to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to the men Sunday night about some things they do around here, clean up and some... Uh, you know, I believe God's house ought to be kept right and ought to look nice. I believe that it bears uh, testimony how we feel about God the way we feel about His house. And this temple was nothing short of beautiful. And it started with David in the heart of David. We know that David wanted uh, to build a temple for God's, for the ark and for the worship, but God wouldn't let him because he was a bloody man. He was a, a man of war and, and, the, and different things that had happened in his life. But David, listen, David did not let that stop him from having a part in the building of the temple. God wouldn't let him be a part of laying the stones. He wouldn't let him be the one that... But I tell you what he did. He prepared. He, he gathered. He gathered all the supplies that would be needed for Solomon to build the temple. And so and now... Uh, so I hope you understand that where we are right here is it's a apex. It's a pinnacle. It's a high point. They've been watching. The people of Israel have been watching this temple come together and, and be built. And now this is the day of dedication. And I want to preach tonight on this thought. Very simple. I want to preach on what the temple had that the church needs. Now listen, the temple and the church are not the same thing. In fact, the temple uh, was about the gathering, the people gathering. And we know in this day, in this, day this dispensation, it's about the people going. 
The church is, Jesus said, go ye in all the world. It's not about how big of a crowd we can get. It's about how big of a crowd we can get to go. And, but there are similarities. There are similarities. The temple is a place of worship. The temple is a place of sacrifice. The temple is a place where the word of God was read. Uh, and, 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 and all these things, I could go on and on, but I, I want to be clear in this, that the temple and the church are not the same, but that doesn't mean there aren't some things you can look at in the temple and say the church needs that in it. You know, I believe, in, and I believe, there is, I believe that there is a, a, a cord of redemption that flows through the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's some people, most times they, they err on the you know, extremes, either one way or the other, there's some people that say we all start reading about Acts chapter number uh, 11. I believe that's where they think we all start reading. That's where the church ain't, they say starts. That's what they, they call themselves dispensate. They're hyper dispensate, what it is. And they don't believe that anything before that ought to be read, preached, studied, or anything like that. But then there's other people that go to the other extreme, and then they teach that the church is the Jews, that we've replaced the Jews, that's replaced, and then they try to say that baptism is the same as circumcision and all this thing. I'm not either one. I just believe the Bible, and I believe that God knew when they built the temple that one day there's going to be the church, and I believe there's some things in the temple that we ought to have or we ought to seek to have in the church. I want you to see this tonight very quickly. In verse 1, we read it, but the latter part, it says, and the glory... Of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter to the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And I want to say the first thing the temple had that the church needs is they had the glory of God. And you know tonight we've got a lot of things in churches today. I mean, we've got a lot of things, but, 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 but I want to say this about this temple, that it would, it didn't matter about, and you can read about it, it's the, how elaborate it was and how beautiful it was, but none of that would have mattered if the glory of the Lord had not filled that place. I want you to know, and it doesn't matter how nice our buildings are, it doesn't matter how, how advanced all the, you know, the facilities and the technology and all that. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter about that, how, how, how nice it all is. If God's glory is not in the church, we don't have anything. That word glory, it means splendor, honor. It implies weightiness. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and the greatness of God's manifold perfections. The Bible says this in Ephesians 3.21, Now unto Him be glory in the church. And I want you to know tonight that if God's glory is not in here, and if, and if God's not getting glory in here, He's not getting glory anywhere. They're not glorifying. They, I mean, listen, they talk about worshiping God in the boat and in the tree, but they're not worshiping God out there. They're not. They say, well, I can worship God. I can do that. But listen to me. And if God's, not, if God's glory ain't here, where is it? And you see, when they, they saw it, they, they witnessed it, they, they, they beheld the glory of God. And listen tonight, that's what we should want in our church. The glory of the Lord to fill this house. And the only way that can happen is if we get ourselves out of the way and our own thoughts and our own wishes and our own agenda and our own uh, whatever you want to call it and, and our feelings and our desires and we put it all to the side and say, Lord, there's one thing I want in this church and that's your glory. Amen. 
James 2, 1 says, My brethren, have not, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Psalms 24, 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is that King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. John 1, 14, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory. Who is that talking about? It's talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want you to see here, I want you to see the precedence for the Word. What preceded the glory? Verse 1, there was prayers that went up. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, Solomon had made an end of praying, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. There were some prayers that went up before the glory came down. And listen tonight, the Bible says he made an end of praying. You know, for most, that, that's impossible. They, they, they can't make an end of praying because they've never made a beginning of praying. I want you to know, listen, if we want God's glory to fill his house, then we need to be praying people. I mean, we need to and not wait till we get here to pray, but pray on the way. And before we get here, Solomon, he, the Bible says he prayed. He lifted his eyes towards God. He opened, you can read that prayer in the previous verses. And, and where he said in verse 4, Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, in thy resting place. Bow in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. You see, Solomon's not praying about his cell phone bill. He's not praying about the flat tire on his Volkswagen. He's not praying about... I mean, listen, he's not praying for the Braves to win the uh, uh, National League pennant. What he's praying about is about God and God's glory and God's strength and God's presence and God's power and listen tonight we as God's people need to get back to offering some prayers up so we can see the glory come down Amen. prayers that went up then verse 1 there see the power that came down it said the fire came down from heaven the fire in the Old Testament fire speaks of the presence of God, God Moses saw the Lord in a burning bush and when you see that fire, I mean, there's a lot of ways it's symbolic of God. It purifies. It melts away the dross, the things that defile. Uh, not only that, but it separates fire. It divides. It separates. And, and all these things we could talk about tonight, but, but how we need the fire to come down again. Yeah. And oh, listen, I think about that song the McCamies used to sing. They used to sing the song, there's, there's dust on the altar where we used to pray. And we wonder why the fire doesn't come down. I thank God that I've been in a few places and a few times. I'm glad we've had some services here where the fire came down, where people were saved, where lives were changed, where miracles transpired right in front of our eyes. And it wasn't because of the sermon that was preached. It wasn't because of the songs. It wasn't because of who was here. It was because God's fire come down. And then I said, and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. I want you to see not only that, the prayers that went out, the power that came out, but look at the price that was let go. They offered sacrifices. The fire of God will not fall on an empty altar. Most of us want God's favor. We want all these things in our lives. 
but that altar is empty. And, and, and you said, Brother Martin, I, I put money in the box. I, I give. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about you and me. Yeah. You don't know the men and the women of God that He's used to change the world and He's used to make a difference in other people's lives. It's people who lay down on the altar and said, Lord, let your fire burn in me and all men around me. The Bible says that a fire fell on the sacrifices. We can never expect to see God's fire to cover an empty altar. The presence for verse 2, what was produced by the glory. It says the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Listen, until we get out of the way, the church will never be filled with His glory. They had the glory. And we need the glory. We need the glory. When they come, people come to our church. I mean, we got visitors come to this, this preacher's meeting and all. We should pray that when they leave, that, that they, they saw the glory of God in this church. That when they leave, they can, they leave and they say, I, I know I've been in bigger churches. I've been in fancier churches. I've been in all those things. But the truth is, the, the glory of God was in that place. You know that we can't make it without seeing the glory of God. Moses, God, before Moses ever went and spoke to Pharaoh, guess what he saw? The glory of God. And did you know he was scared? He was making excuses. He was doing all that. But once he left the presence of God and he took off his shoes because he was standing in holy ground and he saw the glory of God in that burning bush, he walked down to Egypt. He looked Pharaoh in the eye. He says, the Lord said to let his people go. I mean, there was something come over him, a boldness, a, 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 a courageous spirit in him, all because he saw the glory. But time went on, and guess what? Moses got fed up. If you'd had his job leading two million rebellious, grumbling, mumbling, murmuring, complaining Jews, you'd been, you'd been, he wanted to give up. He was there, and he had already seen, he'd come down, and Aaron and them, they down there, you know, with that calf that made itself. You know, I don't know, the people made me do it. You know, there's a lot of preachers out there. They won't blame the church people for all their problems. The people, it's the people, it's the people. But, 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 but Moses went back on the mountain and he said, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, I need your glory. I need to see it again. God gave them enough the first time. I believe that's Exodus chapter 3 to get them out of Egypt. And now he said, I need to see it again, not just to get them out of Egypt, but I need to see it again to get me through the wilderness. And I want you to know, listen, I, I thank God as a six-year-old boy, I saw his glory and it got me out of bondage. It got me out of my sin. I got saved. But I want you to know, if we're going to make it through this wilderness we're living in, we need to see his glory one more time. They had the glory. Look at verse 3. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. What did the temple have that every, that our church? They had the glory. But then we see they had gratefulness. They had gratefulness. When God's glory failed, nobody was talking about which, which piece of that temple they had built. 
Nobody was saying, hey, uh, Solomon, I want to make sure you got my name on that rock you told me I was going to give you. I remember my family gave that rock to this temple. We dedicated. Somebody's joking about that. So we built, we, we, I said, listen, I just soon, I just soon, I mean, listen, I, I just soon not even have a building as, as have it with a bunch of people's names on everything. Anyway, you may believe, you may like that. That's your business. But, but I'm just saying it makes me want to, um, Violence, what it makes me want to do when I see all that. Well, you know, if you do it for the Lord, you shouldn't want recognition. And but there, nobody, Brother David, will say, uh, well, Solomon didn't recognize me because I carried the I carried them logs all the way from down there in the river. And, well, Solomon didn't recognize us. We give some gold to this thing, and Solomon didn't do this, and Solomon didn't do that. No, you know what they done? They fell on their faces and they began to worship and they began to praise God and says, The Lord is God. Good, his mercy endures forever. When they got in the glory of God, it wasn't about Solomon and it wasn't about them. It was all about him. They had gratefulness. They had gratefulness. Did you not? I know y'all heard all these requests that were mentioned a little while ago. That's enough for every one of us to be grateful. Babies, cancer, hospice. All these things going on. And here we are, and here I am. I'm such an ungrateful person. And I want you to know, ungratefulness, ingratitude is a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin to be ungrateful. And one of the marks of the end times is unthankful. That's what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy. He says, this know also the last time, these perilous times will come. And he says, men shall be loved to themselves. But he goes on, he says, unthankful, unholy. And I want you to know we've got a lot to be grateful for. And I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I, I can go from being just on the mountaintop to the very bottom of the valley, valley just like that. I mean, I just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's like I can go from one dimension to the other. I, there's this whole other dimension I fall into sometimes. In the last few days, I'm just going to be real honest, it's been kind of like that. We come back from Florida and, uh, yeah, Sunday night, I was so excited about going coon hunting. So excited. I mean, I was. I was just so excited. I, was, I mean, you know, it's fall and everything. And Brother David, I said, Drew, would you go out here and help me put my box uh, in my truck? And uh, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, Daddy. And, and I was out there putting my boots on and everything. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he swung the door at me. He said, Daddy, there's something bad wrong. And I'm thinking, dogs are dead. You know, something. And, and I'm like, what? He said, your truck. I said, what? He said, just come look. And I'm telling y'all, you know them stink bugs? I want to tell y'all something. If them stink bugs can kill you, I'd be dead because there was a thousand on them in my truck. A thousand. The door jams was crawling in them. The roof was, I don't know what Brother Mark put in there when he parked. Brother Mark, this is the worst prank I've ever had pulled over. I'll, I'll tip my hat to you. You done good. I've got a bottle of permethrin I mix up. I'm carrying with me. I just spray them. They're coming. I mean, I can't get rid of them. And I, I mean, that sounds silly, but I'll be honest, it made me mad. I was plum aggravated. And you know, and then that's, it's just, I know that's silly, that's small, but I don't, I don't know how, but I want, I want to say this. I've got no, I have no right to complain about my life. We have no, listen, the Bible says that they bowed themselves down upon the pavement. 
and they began to worship and to praise the Lord. Worship is us acknowledging and, and recognizing who God is. Praising Him is us thanking Him for what He's done. And I want you to know if all we had was who He is, it's enough for us to thank Him for what He's done. But that's not all. Listen, if all He ever did for us was die for us on a cross, that's enough. But He's done so much more. So much more. And the church needs to be a grateful place, a place where Thanksgiving is. Where and, and, and the truth is that the reason, because we're too busy grumbling and grumping to be grateful. Be grateful. You know how the church is better when we all have gratefulness. Thankfulness in our heart. The Bible says they bow themselves down. That shows humility. Listen, if we have the right attitude in worship, we won't be looking around at others, but our faces will be to the ground. They bowed themselves down to the ground. What they were doing, they were, they were, they were, what they were doing, they were humbling themselves in the sight of the Lord. And listen, the reason that, that many times we don't have the, the have that glory is because there's so much pride and so much uh, uh, boasting and bragging, and everybody wants to be seen and everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be recognized, and 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 and, and we're looking for something to be upset about. We're looking for something to, to get down about. We're looking for something. I'm just telling you, I'm professional. I, I get mad. I mean, I get myself upset over just anything. I mean, if I want to be upset, I'd be upset. Just ask my wife. I hate it. I wish I wasn't that way. I really do. I wish I wasn't that way. I want you to know I've not got one right. James Martin ain't got one right to do anything but bow his face to the ground and lift his hands and say, the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever. And we all, listen, if I started thanking him right now and thanked him till the day I died, I wouldn't thank him near enough for all he's done for me. Not just saving that. We say just saving. That's a big deal, saving you. I mean, you and I were on our way to hell. We deserve to be in hell. We were born in sin, conceived in sin. Uh, we were sinners by nature, sinners by choice, sinners by conduct, and thank God that Jesus died for us and saved us, but that ain't it, that ain't all. He allowed us to come to church where we can hear the Word of God and be and grow in the grace and knowledge of God. He gave us families, He gave us a, I mean listen, think of all that. Nobody walked here tonight. Nobody, nobody as far as I know, ain't nobody in here starving to death. I mean, as far as I know, nobody had their lights cut off this week. As far as I know, nobody had to go walk three miles to get water out of the creek somewhere so your family could take one bath a week. Now, I don't think anybody's had that happen this week. I'm starting to sound like my daddy. He'll say, well, it could be worse. I could be in jail. That's what he always said. <laughs> oh, how they were grateful. They were thanking the Lord for who He was and for what He had done. They had gratefulness. They had the glory book here. Verse 4 through 9, I'm just going to give you this. The Bible says, Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices for the Lord. And the king, Solomon, offered sacrifice 22,000 oxen. Say, so, well, that was too much. Can you give God too much? So the king and all the people dedicated, and I, I, I'm going to go on. The Bible says the priests waited on their offices, the Levites, their instruments. And then it goes on to say, and all Israel stood. You notice this? Everybody's involved. They had giving. They had giving. The only people who don't like hearing about giving is the ones who never give. 
You know? But we have a given God. And the truth of the matter is, and, and we're such a car, we're so carnal and so tem- uh, materially minded that when somebody says give, first thing we think about is checkbooks and bank accounts. But I mean, truth of the matter is, if you'll give God your heart, if you'll give God your life, if you'll give God your future, if you'll give God your will, if you'll give God everything, then then the, the money ain't no big deal. That ain't nothing. But the Bible says they gave, there was giving in the temple. And, I mean, they gave, they gave abundant, they gave. I mean, listen. We've made the church in the modern day about getting instead of giving. I've said it. You've said it. We've all said, well, I really got something from that. I really got, or I just didn't get nothing from that. I've had some I didn't get nothing from. Have you brought that? But the truth of the matter is we should be coming to get. We should be coming to give. And here's here's the thing. You know, the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. And, and, and I think if we come to church with a mindset of I'm going I'm to give, I'm going to give God praise, I'm going to give God glory, I'm going to give encouragement to somebody else, I'm, I'm going to try to give a kind word, I'm going to try to give love, I'm going to try to give, I'm going to try to give forgiveness, I'm going to try, I'm going to give, I'm going to try to give, do some giving. You know what, we'd, we'd do a whole lot more getting if we'd do a whole lot more giving. There was giving. Everybody was active in what was going on in this part of giving. We should all want to be involved in giving of ourselves, of our time, our talents. Thank whatever we have, we should want to be able to give to the Lord. Verse number 10, the Bible says this in the, on the thir- 3 and 20th day of the 7th month, He sent the people away into their tents glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord has shown to David and some to all His people. They had gladness. They had gladness. You know, it says, and by the way, they were there for a long time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long it takes to offer 22,000 oxen, but I'm sure it takes a while. This is before the Marlin, I mean, Roger 1022. I mean, this is, I mean, brother, brother, brother Aaron, I don't know how long they was there. They was there for a while. But boy, when they left, the Bible says they were glad and merry in heart. Amen. And listen to me, if God's people can't be glad and of merry heart, who can? And I'm not saying, you know, we, I, I can't stand fake. I can't stand put on. I can't stand. And, they, and people say, fake it till you make it. I just don't believe in that. Because you know what happens when you start faking it? But sooner or later, you'll start being the person you're faking to be instead of the person you really are. And sooner or later, you won't, you won't be able to recognize the difference in the two, who you are and who you're pretending to be. That's called hypocrisy. But I believe, I believe when we, that God's house ought to be a place of gladness. Amen. If we can't have gladness, who can? You've got all these, you know, uh, these, you know, grumpy, grumpy people. They think that that when you go to church, that you ought to, you know, there's, and I believe there's certain parts, and there's a somberness, a, a soberness about it. There's, a, I understand. I'm not trying to negate. I'm not trying to downplay that. But I'll be honest. When we leave, we all leave glad and merry and hard. We all not leave saying, "Oh well, somebody, you know, one of them little kids, one of them kids, they hey, they threw a bum wrapper on the floor, or what, or or sister so and so was singing off key." Brother, you know, but I, I don't want to talk about people when they ain't here. I had a good one I was going to use, but I'll wait till he gets back. But you know, the truth of the matter is, when they left, they had gladness. 
David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house, Lord. David didn't get glad when he got there. He got glad when they talked about going there. And here they come. I mean, they're walking out of there. Boy, they're just, man, they're so excited. They're so happy. I mean, I don't know what they was doing. I'd say they was talking about them little kids. Daddy, did you see that? Did you see that fire come down? Did you see that? What was that, Daddy? What was it that filled the temple where people couldn't go in? And I mean, they're just talking. They were excited about it. And I want you to know why was it? The Bible says because the Lord had touched their heart. It says they were marrying heart. Any service where God touches your heart is a great service. We shouldn't measure a service based on how many people were there. We shouldn't measure it on the sermon, you know, how homiletically correct, we or the singing, the spirit. We should base a service on, did the Lord touch my heart? And when God touches our heart, we ought to be glad. And the reason we're not glad... It's because we're not letting the Lord touch our heart. There was gladness. And here, look at this. They took it home. It says, and the people went away into their tents. Glad. What happened at the temple affected what went on in the house. And you know, that's what, that's what the church needs. We, we, we should want to have, uh, have church where when we come, when we go home, it goes with us. Amen. And if it's if the Lord's doing it, and by the way, if it's real and if it's and if it's of God, then it will go home with us. Amen. I mean, they went home glad, marrying heart. They didn't drink nothing. They ain't smoked nothing. They ain't took nothing. All they had done is bowed their face to the ground and worshiped the Lord and seen the glory of God, the fire of God. They had, they had offered sacrifices to God and they weren't grumping or complaining or, 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 or lamenting it. They were glad about it and they went home and their tents brightened up because they had been at the temple that day. They had gladness. Verse 12 through 14. This is probably the most famous verses in um, Chronicles and some in the whole Bible. You all know it. You can probably quote it. Verse 12 says, And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. He goes on to tell him, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts of our land, or if I send pestilence among thy pe- my people, my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and will heal their land. What was there at the temple? There was guidance. God said, Now, Solomon, if it stops raining, we know that in the Bible, and, and you know, and by the way, I still think the weather and God speaks through those things even today. I still believe He controls it, by the way. He says, if pestilence, in verse 13, if, if locusts stink bugs, if you look that up in the Hebrew, them things are awful. I'm telling you, I despise them. I had my fogger out, my fogger, the backpack fogger, I double-dose permethrin, that thing. I mean, I spray. We may die of cancer, but we're not going to die from stink bugs biting our lip. I've got a bottle in my truck mixed up. I'm just spraying it. Just spraying it. But anyhow, not lo- if locusts 
shall devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people, that's sickness. He says, then, he said, if, if this thing's happened, he says, now, this is what you need to do. You see that guidance there? You know why this world's such a, such a mess? They have no compass. They have no guide. And, 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 and you know, about the time over there in uh, Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon was talking to his sons, and he was talking about sin, and he, and he compared it to a strange woman, and he said this about that strange woman. He said her ways are movable. And what he was saying is, what he was, what he was saying is sin, is, this is the way sin is. About the time you figure it out, about the time you get it nailed down, about the time you realize what's going on, it changes. Yeah. It's like that house and mirrors, you know, at the fair you used to go to. And, 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 the, and the more you thought you knew where you were, the further lost you was. And I mean, that's the way this world is. The world, they, they want to run this way and then they realize that's not the way and then they want to run that way and that's not the way. But aren't you glad we've got a compass? Amen. We've got the Word of God. We've got God. And Solomon said, here's what you can do if trouble comes. There needs to be guidance in the house of the Lord. We shouldn't come to church just to be made to feel better. We should be come to church to seek guidance from God. And then verse 15, 16, it says, Now my eyes shall be open and my ears intent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I've chosen and sanctified this house. Here it is, that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. They had God. God said, I'm going to keep my eye on this place forever. What more could we want as a church than to have the attention of God? I mean, isn't that the kind of church we should all want? Where, I mean, maybe we're not getting caught. Maybe I seen the other day they did the, the Rotary Club or something and they was, they recognized the charitable organization and the, and the committee. And there's all these non-denominational, I know we're on Facebook, these non-denominational hodgepodge, ecumenical, you know, won't offend nobody churches, you know, and they got every award from the Rotary Club. I thought, man, how come me and Brother Marshall and them ain't got none of those? But you know what? I could care. I could. By the way, could care less. That's not how you're supposed to say it. Couldn't care less. I hear people say that all the time. Like, no, it's not could care. If you could care less, that means you could care less. I couldn't care less. But brother Justin, what we should want is God to have uh, for us to have His attention. I got news for them. Them rewards they give up there at the road, all that stuff, it's gonna melt and burn away one day. But don't you know a church where God's eyes are upon it? He said, my eyes are going to be there. He said, my ears are going to be open there. He said, that word perpetually, it means from sunrise unto sunset. From sunrise unto sunset. Now, I got news. I think the sun's setting, don't you? I do. I think the sun is setting on this age of grace. I do. I believe that we're about to enter in into a new day. I know the Bible says weeping endures for a night. Joy, I believe joy is almost here. I believe redemption is drawing nigh. But I want you to know in these last days we should want God's eyes and God's ears to be upon us and to be pleased with what He hears and what He sees from His church. What the temple had, the church needs.